What's up, family? I'm back. Man, it's been forever. It literally feels like it's been forever since I've uh, did an actual introduction to a podcast. Welcome to part one of season one finale. This year has been nuts. Obviously, we all know how this year has been. Uh, was off to a great start with the podcast and, you know, COVID pandemic happened and, and um, you know, things got shaken up and couldn't get guests in the studio and released very spotty episodes. But finally decided to end it, end season one and start planning season two with a whole new format. Some great things in store for season two. And this, coming up on the next season, we're going to actually have a co-host to be named <laughs> to be named later uh, in the official trailer coming out soon. So just want to thank everybody for supporting the Still Searching podcast, for rolling with me all this, uh, all this time, almost coming up on one year uh, of the Still Searching podcast. So we're 32 episodes in. I'm uh, going to release one more, a part two, to this uh, interview. And obviously, this is my dad. Got to sit down with Pops and just chop it up a little bit about his story, his upbringing, and how uh, his life changed, and just basically the first half of his life. We didn't even get to the second half. We had a great conversation in the park, uh, actually in front of a funeral home in Mission Hills. Because uh, somebody uh, overslept and didn't let us in to use a uh, recording space. But, you know, we'll, we'll, we won't say who it was. <laughs> he knows who it is. Yeah, let, me, let me give him a bruh sound effects. Sound bruh. effect. Yeah. Bruh. Bruh. Yeah, that's for that guy. Anyway, I'm just messing. Messing around. So, yeah, guys. Once again, thank you guys for the love, support, for always rolling with me. And, um for sticking with me all this time season two is going to be dope i can't wait co-hosts much more structured i guess that's kind of my my thing is always it's never really been structured i've never had an outline never had any bullet points we just talk so i still want to keep that element but with a little bit more structure and we're introducing new segments of the show and a reoccurring uh new segment to the Still Searching podcast that was actually going to be its own podcast, so we're just going to incorporate it into this one. So there's just a lot of good things for Season 2 coming soon. So make sure you guys like, subscribe, follow us on uh, Spotify, follow us on uh, Apple Podcasts, and uh, give us a rating. And um, can't wait to release the next season. So thank you guys, and enjoy this conversation with... Uh, with my dad, Pastor Rudy Trujillo. So let's cue it up. You didn't know that one was coming? No, not at all. Good old Neil Young. <laughs> we got a guy asking for directions. I wanna live, I wanna kill. I've been yeah, buddy, <laughs> That's uh that's what what happens when we're recording out in public. Hey, what happened to the music? <laughs> we can only play a little bit. I know. Um, you know, that's the way it is. Unless you go to YouTube, you won't get, uh, they won't boot it. They'll just credit. They'll put the uh, credits where it belongs. Yeah, I haven't got popped on music yet. But anyway, I wanted to start with that because I remember listening to that because uh, you used to always play that. Yeah, Neil Young. You know, I always loved uh, Neil Young and uh, 
their music back from the 70s i don't know somehow it always spoke to me somehow you know i thought they were i thought he was around in the 60s yes <laughs> they were I, i don't know if they made it to woodstock or not but uh yes late 60s well today uh i have finally on the still searching podcast my pops pastor rudy Trujillo, is here we are not in the trap house. We're not uh, in anywhere. Uh, we were supposed to record at a church this morning, and that didn't happen. So we're actually out in the park, in the public. Some guy just walked by or <laughs> drove by. I was asking for if we knew the security guard or something. Uh, I think they're recording somewhere else. So he thought we were part of the recording crew. Uh, yeah, so we're literally set up here, um, popped up right in the... Right in front of Utter McKinley. <laughs> yeah, so a big shout out to George Perez for Utter McKinley. And uh, it's interesting because I want to say that Utter McKinley is, uh, may have been at one time over on First and McClay. And that's actually where uh, one of the uh, funerals that actually impacted my life was where my dad's uh, service took place mm. right there on First Street. So you know the guys running this this uh, oh yeah yeah establishment. yeah I know know him pretty good. He usually invites me to go golfing and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Josh, I want to say thanks for <laughs> for having me. I know you've been wanting to do this for a while, inviting yeah. me. So here I is. Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, you you get mentioned probably the most on the podcast, obviously for being my dad and influenced me probably the most. So. It's only right that we're actually, this is the end of season one. So this is the grand finale. Wow. I feel <laughs> season two is coming in the next couple months. Yeah. So it's a whole new, we're going to restructure the show. But anyways, wanted to get you on and talk and, and just uh, kind of get your story out there. I mean, most people think they know you, but do they really know you? <laughs> well, let's see. I think, I don't know how many thousands of friends they got on Facebook. They're just um, numbers or faces and i try to see what they're doing whatnot but out of all those friends and i don't know that people really know me or yeah really really know me yeah there's only a few people that probably really know us but no one thing that i've always remember about you and just i remember just stories you used to you would tell your stories of everything that happened growing up and uh, you know, stories with your brothers. And I remember the, the mini bike story. He used to tell me when your brother, uh, uh, Rao got all tore up on the, on the, uh, Bob wire fence. And yeah, yeah. So actually it was my brother, Fernando. Fernando. That's right. Yeah. Fernando. Uh, you know, we've been riding bikes since we were little kids over in Pacoima in Pacoima. If you had a mini bike, it was either hot or you got it legit. Yeah. The hot ones, you could tell because they were usually had primer on them and <laughs> the throttle was messed up and the homies be like uh, doing the throttle on the side on the and all that. Suicide style. Suicide style. But we, yeah, so we've been riding since we were kids. There's actually a picture of us when the first mini bike we got and uh, the taco, the little taco mini bike. And then, of course, um, back in the 60s, my dad, uh, my parents, mom and dad, they bought a uh, van. It was a white van that sat on there, the lights. It had flowers on it. And it was actually one of our cousins' van that um, that had a, a, a band back in the day in the 60s. Yeah. And it was like a rock and roll band. My cousin Mondo, he was a part of all that vibe, all the music, all the way uh, Devonshire Downs with Janis Joplin, Jimi Hendrix, and... Yeah, all these yeah. different that was uh, a big bands. venue right i remember you oh, telling yeah. an acid story all the time when you're on acid at devonshire downs well when i was on lsd that was california jam in seventy four, black oak arkansas black sabbath rare earth uh deep purple emerson lake and palmer the eagles how could i forget the eagles man what a lineup yeah it was pretty crazy 1974 but yeah, so anyways, getting back to the, the uh, motorcycle stories, you know, that um, those were some of the things that we enjoyed as, as kids, kids. Uh, living there on Mercer Street and 
you know, uh, back in the 60s, we'd go back there near El Carrizo uh, before the college was there. Of course, before all the housing was there back there. And even Santa Clarita, too, right? I remember you guys yeah. right over there. And, and tell and, me you used to ride over there. Yeah, up in Santa Clarita, Valencia. Uh, it was more open back then. But, uh, yeah, I got uh, really good memories as kids, you know, of course. Um, but one of the big things is, Josh, that um, we grew up a lot with having sickness in the house. Mm. That, uh, you know, our dad was always sick. And, you know, I, I got real good memories, but also times where there was a lot of um, sickness. And, you know, he was always in and out of the hospital. Yeah. You know, the Veterans Hospital up there in uh, VA Park, now known as the VA Park. Uh, Veterans course, Park. Veterans Park, correct. Um, which happened to go down in the 1971 earthquake, you know? Yeah. But I had a lot of um, great memories, man, growing up. But anyways, um, music has always played, played a big part, right. had a huge impact. Of course, you know, we had a piano uh, for a little bit on Mercer Street right outside, um, you know, <laughs> If you've seen the house, we had a big old giant piano, and I'd get on that thing and bang the keys all up. And um, and then you played accordion, too. Yeah, well, back then, they had a Milton Man Studio. Milton Man. Yeah, that's Milton Man. I think it was called Milton Man Studios, Accordion Studios. These guys came around the neighborhood, and they'd put a accordion on a kid. And I happened to be the kid that they said, oh, he'll be a good accordion player. Yeah. <laughs> I remember you telling me the story of your dad taking you to practice. Oh right man, there in Mission Hills, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, come to find out, uh, I ended up the guy uh, doing accordion lessons, and um, my dad would take me there, and he we'd he'd hang out there, stay the whole time. I don't know why he just loved it, you know. Yeah. And uh, it was really good because it gave me an opportunity to hang out with him and talk and go to the go to the store afterwards and get an ice cream and then head home you know right. it was like a one-on-one -on -one time because you got you had a lot of brothers and sisters yeah so there's uh seven of us let me see <laughs> seven eight there's uh you know uh four three sisters four brothers and then of course there was also four of us brothers and then of course there was fernando also that my mom had before she met my dad and, of course, later on, when my dad passed away, she ended up uh, marrying Lorenzo. I called him Pancho. Punch. Punch back in the day. <laughs> That's an interesting story because I tagged him as um, the first time he came around, got that big old mustache. I had a chip you on my shoulder. You called him Punch as, as in Pancho Villa. Yeah. I, well, actually, I didn't even call him Punch back then. I said, hey, uh, I remember my mom. He came up to see my mom, and I came out. All crazy. All crazy. Like, hey, mom, who is this Pancho Villa dude and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right away, man, I started, like, jamming him over yeah. it, you know? Yeah. Well, so we – I don't ever really have a structure but uh, of the show, which is why in season two I'm having a co-host that's really structured. Um, but I just kind of wanted just to – just kind of get your story. Obviously, you're a pastor, but I wanted to – kind of hit on like what happened before that and what made you change your life or what made you want to uh uh you know make a change in your life because you were on a path of like just destruction and craziness and and all these th different things and then like a complete a complete transformation yeah so um the reality is it all started really with uh, the death of my uh, dad, that when he passed away, I was 16 at the time, and I was Jeez. already messing around with drugs and getting high and, you know, going to Pacoima Junior High. Um, that's where I, I first got introduced to drugs and whatnot at Pacoima Junior High. Um, you know, just started to mess around with that of course i started trying to drink when i was younger than that over on mercer street as a little kid uh drinking some 
And I still remember the first time I had a huge hangover. I mean, I was all messed up <laughs> as a kid. They were having a party on Mercer right near the Veloces and the um, the Rincons there. My deal lived across the street and they were having a party. And I just remember going and sneaking in and hitting that. I don't know if it was tequila or vodka or what the heck it Some was, but, <laughs> but it jacked me up good. But anyways, um, the, 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 the thing that sent my life on a spiral uh, was the fact that, you know, when my dad passed away um, at the age of 16, I was already doing drugs and doing all this stuff. I still remember the first time that I came home wasted. Mm. My dad had, um, they would always lock the door at a certain time and I was out and I came knocking on the door. I don't know if I was like 13, 14 or something like this. And, um, he opens the door. He says, you're drunk. And all of a sudden, like, sticking out my chest. And all yeah. of a sudden, I'm throwing my arms back like, what? You know? Yeah. And um, that that began the, the crazy quest or the craziness where, you know, I began to rebel. I began to, I began to uh, resist um, authority and just, like, the, the authority figure and all that. And mm. For the first time, I began to cross that line. Yeah. And I think that's probably what uh, began to impact me was the fact that, um, you know, uh, crossing those lines and developing these crazy attitudes and saying stuff as I was growing up to my dad. You know, I remember one time telling him, you know, I wish he were dead and leave me alone and uh, get out of my life and, you know, just stuff like that. And so at 16 when Say, he, just saying those things out of just pure like rebellion just yeah um I, I don't know what was going on with me i had this uh crazy attitudes i, I don't know it was like a monkey I, sometimes i always say that i had a monkey on my back that yeah. i just had this this thing I, I i don't know what it was it was just on me that um i don't want to be told what to do and i don't want nobody trying to control me and all this you know yeah. Which is still sort of the same, because <laughs> I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah, I'm still the same, but more controlled, I guess, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a controlled rebellion, yeah, yeah, I guess, yeah, you know, yeah. because sometimes, uh, you know, and I got to say that sometimes I feel like that even toward God still, you know, that because um, sometimes people think that just because you, you came to the Lord and you changed your life, yeah, it's true, but... Man, there's still a lot of stuff that, you know, we have to um, yeah. constantly crucify, so to speak, or put to death, so to speak. You know, just all the the possibilities or that old nature that can crawl up. Well, I mean, know? that's the whole thing of, of uh, denying yourself and picking up your cross, right? I think uh, we, we, we sanitize the, the cross to this, you know, where it's just this uh, purely transactional thing that happened to us or for us but the scripture says that we have to deny ourselves and pick up our cross which is really it when you really break that down it's like man you're literally living the knife a life of like uh dying you know of of putting to death those things and sacrificing that dude looked like benny that just drove by right <laughs> it might have been <laughs> that looked just like benny's but that is benny yeah it is now we're, we're probably going to get interrupted again <laughs> but you know that uh so benny that's one of the things that 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 uh happens is um you know when as you were talking about that you know the taking up the cross dying to yourself paul said i die daily and I think those that those were some of those things of struggles. And and I was thinking about Jacob, how it says that it, he wrestled with God. You know, uh, sometimes we just take that one event that he wrestled with God. And, you know, as the story goes, he put his hip out of whack and walked around with a limp and kind of reminds me of where I'm at now. <laughs> but the whole idea, the reality is it, it wasn't just one event. It was a whole attitude it was a whole lifestyle it was a whole thing of um what you know of, of who he was you know and what he was about a shyster a, a trickster a guy that had to come to terms with his life you know and and really and, and i like the fact that it says that he wrestled with god because 
you know, I, I, sometimes I hear people say like, don't question God and, you no, know, yeah, you know, yeah. all this um, crazy religious stuff that people that, I, you know, of course, I'm sure that I've probably had it in the past. But the reality is that we are who we are mm. and that, you know, um, in this life we wrestle, you know, and we have we I almost going to use the word turmoil, you know, there's a, a turmoil of wrestling things that happen within that we have to come to grips and come to terms with. And I think that's what really it, it is about. And, and the reality is that's really what led me to God, you know, getting back to that point or the question you were asking is, you know, when my dad died was the big question was, and I, I, I still remember, how could you be here one day and then gone the next? Mm -hmm. That right there, how can you be here now and then gone the next? Just gone, yeah. You're gone. And I, and I kept asking myself, what happens next? What happens next? Mm. Then the next question I had was, will I see him again? Will I see him again? Am I going to see him face to face again? And you didn't have any sort of religious context to, to, to build upon, really, because you, you guys didn't really go to church or anything. No, uh, you know, even though we went to catechism in those days, uh, we would go to These catechism. These were just genuine questions that you had. Yeah, and and the reality is, Josh, I didn't really find that in in uh, even though church. I was in catechism, and everything was a mystery when we'd go to church. You know, we didn't understand what the heck these uh, <laughs> what's happening here. Yeah, what are they doing? All I know is that they would have a basket on a long uh, look like a stick. As you know, as a kid, that's how I interpret it a basket on the end of a stick and mom would give us a quarter or something to throw into it. You know, not that they went, but yeah. you know, I remember sending us and um, sometimes I'd throw it in. Sometimes God would get it. And sometimes God <laughs> wouldn't get it. <laughs> the liquor store. <laughs> I'd go to go buy it. Um, back then you could buy an RC. Uh, they, cola? Called it, uh, they called it an RC cola and you could get some chips or <laughs> Something all for a quarter back then. Twenty five cents. <laughs> so, <clears throat> I, I remember. I, I love hearing all these stories. Like I, I like specific things. I remember things where you punching your hand through the, through the through a window. You getting shot. Um, uh, when your dog Sabu died. Like all these things. Like I, I, I remember hearing them. Hearing them. Um, and then uh, just I, I, I just love me and you could talk for hours. For hours, really. And we talk a lot just about just different things, but what was that one thing or, or, or that experience that changed you? Because I remember, and I know, and I know the story too. There was, I remember you going to your apartment in where was it in uh, in North yeah. Hollywood or something? Yeah. So yeah. So it was. But off then, of, but uh, then you made a decision at a bar. You finished your beer, and yeah. you're like, you know what? I'm tired of this. Because at that point, you were literally at the end. Yeah, so I got to say, that, uh, Josh, that uh, through the midst of all this, uh, through the music, and that's why, you know, getting back to the music was it was very instrumental as I began, I, moved, I shifted from just hearing a beat and hearing and rocking out and all that to the message, trying, to the message becoming more philosophical, you know, things like Black Sabbath, Hole in the Sky, Take Me to Heaven, you know. Take me to hell, you know, th things like that. Uh, Black Oak, Arkansas, where, you know, the halls of yeah. karma, where he hears the voice of God and the devil. And he says that the devil is pleading for his body. And he said, but the Lord is pleading for my soul. And he goes on to say, but while I'm on earth, you know, the Lord has my soul and the devil has my body. But anyways, um, it what led into it, just having these uh, epiphanies. I, I remember I was at a Black Oak, Arkansas concert in long beach we're in line i'm in line with my girlfriend and these guys are preaching these wow. guys are literally preaching <laughs> and everybody's booing them and they're throwing beer cans at wow. them and bottles and all that and i'm i'm sticking up from hey man leave him alone mother <laughs> yeah. that. You know, i don't know there was something about yeah. it right i was still yeah kind like of sticking up for like everybody getting ganged up on yeah, yeah and and i remember even seeing what do you call those dudes wearing the rags and the bald heads um i forgot what the heck <laughs> What the, <laughs> the, the the bald heads. the robe the robes and um, oh like the monks the monks <laughs> I remember years ago even sticking up for those dudes you know like 
Uh, we kind of laugh a little bit. But anyways, I remember that um, that night, um, you know, I was sticking up for these guys. I thought, hey, man, what's, what's the problem, man? You know, you got a problem with what they're saying? They're talking about Jesus. And I always felt like, you know, hey, that's cool. Jesus is cool. Yeah. So I don't get it. So I was ready to throw rounds with these guys, right? <laughs> anyways, when I'm in the concert, uh, you know, I was the kind of guy that I want to be up in the front row, you know, yeah. and uh, managed to, you know, I seen yeah. this couple was fighting and they left. And I so boom, I grabbed my girl and we headed there, took that spot. And I'm in the front row now. But I remember to this day that um, as I began to look around, I had an epiphany and I began to see just the 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 ruly, uh, unruly, renegade. This, I don't know. Somehow, this was transmitting to my mind that you know what? This is this is what I am. This is who I am. I'm looking, man. Everybody's wild, rebellious, rebellious, unruly, and I'm saying to myself as I'm looking around for the first time, as I'm seeing the people, I'm seeing myself. I'm seeing what I really am, and, wow. and what's really what my life is really about. You know, and boom. Right then and there, that was one of the first times that God began to speak to me. That wasn't the acid trip one, right? No. Because <laughs> I remember you, you had a, another similar experience where you were like, man, you saw like almost like zombie-like people at like a rock concert. And you're like, yeah. man, this is this is me. Like this is, this is also what I am. Yeah. So 1974, I'm at California Jam. Some people always mix up California Jam 76 or 8, whatever it was. But I was at the first one, 1974. And the night before, I don't even know how I got there. I, I was talking to this young cat, younger than me for sure. And he's the one that was, I seen him at a funeral. I was at a funeral for um, with at Lito's house. And um the guy was there going, hey, Pastor Rudy, you remember when you seen Caveman at California Jam and all this? <laughs> I go, oh, dude, I can't believe you remember, man. But in 1974, I'm there the night before. I don't know how we got there. I'm there with Debbie back then, Flores. And, we, I mean, it was some crazy LSD. I mean, all I seen was a pool, a massive pool. There's over 200,000 people there. Jeez. All I see is flesh and blood and arms and legs and a wow. pool of blood. And I'm trying to maintain, and I actually go to, I, I don't know how I, I managed to get to our car, but we had good parking, I guess. And I'm in the middle of the day with the windows rolled up in the heat of the day. You yeah. gotta like right the, now, we're sitting in the sun. Yeah, like right now, in the heat of the day. And I guess these hippie-looking dudes see me, and I guess they know, man, I'm gone or something. So they came tapping on the window, and they had some orange juice, and they said, hey, I rolled down the window, like, hey, you want to see God? <laughs> and I was like, I, I, you know, they're trying to give me this orange juice laced with who knows yeah, what. Yeah, more LSD. <laughs> more. And uh, I'm like, no, get out of here. I don't want to see God. <laughs> but, you know, I just say that because um, there's segments in my life where sometimes God would just, um, you know, through an epiphany, just a revelation. It just seems like there was times where I would wake up in the middle of the night coming out of a dream of, of the Lord and had some crazy visions, you know. Yeah. All right, I'm back. And we are back, 2833. So Action. <laughs> I think you were asking me about the... The moment, know, the moment when you decided yeah, to... Yeah, so after like a lot of craziness and, you know, of course I had been shot. Uh, I had tried to commit suicide at the age of 16. Mm. Um, you know, I, it's crazy. Sometimes I, I, I don't like mentioning one, one attempt too much. Um, because I, I, you know, anybody out there struggling, you know, I just, there's hope, man. There's life after, you know, so yeah, it's important to know that. But after a couple attempts and just going through a lot of stuff, you know, um, I had come to the place, and, and after breaking up with uh, another girl that I was um, 
really had planned to marry, you would have been half white. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> irony. <laughs> Your mama would have said, what? <laughs> or I could have been half Puerto Rican. Half Puerto Rican. <laughs> what the, what the wood? <laughs> I know, I know both of your exes, so yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I don't, I don't know, um, you know, after going through a lot of craziness, um, you know, I had reached a point where I was totally just broken and just, I was so broken up in, in, um, my life. You know, I, I came to a place that I, I was so broken in my life that I reached a, a moment, you know, after going and being, bro- breaking up with my girlfriend and going to see her to go tell her what happened to me. I just come out of a, um, a three day where I was blinded, you know, after snow going blind. skiing, yeah, snow blind. And, and, you know, the, they, they brought me home and I was on this three day crazy thing. One of the girls that I work with even, um, uh, told me after I got back to work, she said, man, Rudy, you were acting all crazy. You were trying to get naked and all this kind of stuff, you know, and, um, so you were on drugs and and were snowblind. Yes, I was all messed up. And for three days after, you couldn't see. Yes, it's almost like a biblical. Uh, yeah, big experience. time. But it, but out of that is, I went to go talk to. Uh, well, I might as well say your name, Bunny Ray. I went to go talk to her, and she was working at the post office. Well, when I roll up, um, I see her Volkswagen there, and I but there's a guy in there, and I'm like, oh, son of a biscuit. <laughs> my first initial thought was like man i'm gonna pull this dude out i'm gonna practice a little bit of kenpo that i learned you know yeah and i kept thinking i'm gonna jack him up but as i'm rolling up you know real slow I, i'm like man that's not what i want man i'm i'm tired i'm 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 broken i'm you know just hit bottom Anyways, I, I I I roll up. I tell the guy, "Hey, dude, you know, I tell him to split. I need to talk to her, right?" <laughs> I'm barking hey, out. Split. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, barking out orders. He didn't even say nothing. He he left. Yeah. But anyways, I started telling her. I go, man. I you know, I started telling her. I've been blind. I've been da 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 da. She said, "I know you were calling me." <laughs> so I didn't even know. I was so messed up that I had been calling her. From there. You know, I made up my mind. I, I, I kept thinking because she had told me about um, Paul Whitcomb starting a church back in, this is March of 1978. And um, I, I shot over to the bar right near the old General Motors plant in Van Nuys. Nice. Yeah. I shoot over to this bar that I used to go hang out at when I worked over at... Um, what was the name? Superior Industries. Industries. Yeah, they, they were there at one time before they moved over to Woodley, I think it is. But um, so uh, anyways, I get into that bar and, man, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm drinking a beer. And for me, it was always like if I'm looking at a high-definition TV or something where I'm seeing the segments of my life, you know, I'm seeing it in in segments yeah but every single time that that segment would appear i could feel the emotional attachment the hurt the pain everything that was attached to those memories i i could feel it i could sense it you know it was like i'm i'm looking at my life in in segments and i'm i'm seeing that you know the innocence as a child you know and the curiosity stage where that led me, you know, uh, into some craziness. And I'm looking at all that, and then I'm looking at, you know, the, the death that uh, happened, you know, the impact that it had. And then I'm looking at the brokenness of my heart, you know, in a relational type way. And combining and putting all of that together, I kept I kept thinking to myself, you know what, if there's a God in heaven, you know, he's got to be able to do something. He's got to be able to repair, to mend, to fix. He's got to be able to do something with, with this, this life and, you know, with, with what's going on with me. And I'm sitting there as I'm drinking my beer. I 
I didn't want to waste it either. So I drank my beer, of course, and I shot out to the apartment, you know. And uh, there in that apartment, I would say I'm Van Owen on the other side of Sepulveda Boulevard is where I really met the Lord. Mm. In a puddle. Yeah, because... Everybody um, needs to have that puddle experience. Yeah, the puddle is where all the brokenness and all the interior and all the the disgust that you feel within your life and the brokenness and just the um pain shame the pain the shame the guilt you know that it, it just seems like um at that moment i remember crying out to the lord and saying lord if you're out there wow and if you're real and I even said to him, I'm not asking for a girlfriend. I'm not asking for a job. I'm not asking for a car. I'm not asking for money. I, I remember saying all of that to him and saying, Lord, if you're out there, I'm just asking you to fix. Man, you know, my heart is broken. <laughs> you know, please, if you're out there, do something. And uh, Josh, I got to tell you, I don't know how much time went by. I don't know if I was there one hour, two hours, three hours. I don't know. Yeah. Because I lost track of time and space and all of this. And as I'm stopped, all I know is that when I came through to myself, I was sobbing uncontrollably mm. and uh, sobbing and tears and mocos and all. All I know is that there was a wet spot, but within that process, I felt like if Jesus walked into this apartment and I felt like if he came and if he put his hand on my life and he, like if he touched me at that moment and at that moment, <laughs> you know, I felt like there was this monkey that was taken off my back. I felt like there was just this incredible relief from freedom. E- etopia, I don't know. I'm going to make up my own word right here. <laughs> Etopiac. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Utopic? Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> Something like that. All I know is that nothing in my life could ever have done what I experienced and sensed. That day. That day, at that moment, in that uh, space of time, I just felt like if the Lord Jesus, like all of a sudden, all I know is that when I got up, I was like, what the? <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, I'm, praise God. I was what the? Yeah, yeah. Like, what you the start. heck? <laughs> All of a sudden, I'm like, praise God, I, and I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. Well, what am I saying? All I know was that there was a liberty, there was a revelation, there was all of a sudden Jesus was no longer on a cross. He wasn't in a grave. All of a sudden, I, the revelation of Jesus Christ became so real and so authentic to me that. I couldn't shut up, and I still remember the. Uh, I had two phone calls that day. After this experience, um, uh, one of them was Tony um, Contreras, Contreras, who went to be with the Lord. Um, it Last was here or two years ago. Yeah, I think like two years ago he went to be with the Lord. But Tony Contreras was one of the guys that called me. And he and I still remember to this day saying, "Rudy, what are you doing?" You know, back then, of course, it was it wasn't cell phone; it right. was a, a telephone landline, the cord and all that. You you would have a cord, you could take it all over the place, or it was stationary. Yeah. But I remember that, um, boy, what the the huda, <laughs> no, the news. But I I still remember that um, he said to me. Rudy, what are you doing? I go, man, I just gave my life to Jesus. He's a, one of the first ones I said, man, I just gave my life to Jesus. And, you know, I think he said something you did. I go, yeah, and I'm going to church right now. Right now? <laughs> right now, man. I heard this dude starting a church over there in San Fernando. In the middle of the day? Yeah, in the like, middle of the day. I think it was on a Friday. Wow. And uh, he said, come and get me, man. I'll, I'll be over here on Fox and Lower Canyon. He was going to leave the school. I, th- I guess he went to a pay phone somewhere near there. Yeah. And I said, I'll pick you up, dude. And um, I went to get Tony. But before I went to get Tony, I also had another call uh, from a good friend of mine, Big Ed. And uh, he's a good dude. I, I really love Ed. Uh, but uh, back then, we were partying like crazy, you know, and... Uh, 
he has a hard time remembering some of that, which yeah. which I don't blame him because um, a lot of drugs. It, we're doing a lot of LSD. We're hanging out in uh, Tahunga, you know, over in the creeks and all that. <laughs> you know, you, you know, as they do over there, skinny dip, all that kind of stuff. But also, uh, we're hanging out in Hollywood, which, by the way, that's where I first bought a Keith Green album in 1977 yeah before uh, all this yeah before all this because we would be partying and i would be playing keith green right Wow. <laughs> we're partying in the front of the house and i have keith green cranked up man take my life make it you know i don't even, i better not even I wanna attempt it do what you want, want me to, to. Yeah, yeah. no empty words That's no compromise fine. well the compromise is coming but here we go yeah but you know that um i remember you said you bought that album because you're like man this cover looks cool he's holding yeah. up a peace sign and <laughs> yeah the the thing that impressed me the most was it was a, a guy and a girl and, you know, I always love the idea, you know, I'd rather be with my girl than hanging out with the fellas, all that. I don't know. That's just yeah. me. But um, when I seen this cover, it's there in the Iowa way. You know, I don't know if it, they ever had any Christian albums like that, but they had Keith Green. And when I see that cover and um, they're doing the sign of the, they're doing the cross, I pick it up. It says, for those who have ears to hear. And the first thing I thought was, you know what? Um, I got ears to hear. What the heck you saying? What are you talking yeah, about? Yeah. But anyways, um, you know, that day is, you know, Ed was, it was me and Ed. I was hanging out with Ed when I bought that album. And he was like, what the heck with that, man? You know, all that kind of <laughs> stuff, you know. And uh, anyways, I bought it and we would play it. And I think the Lord used that, that even though we were partying and acting crazy and all that, I'm playing Keith Green. The words were still <laughs> like uh, getting to you guys in some way or getting to you. Yeah. Yeah. The Because even my brother-in-law, Ted, later on come, came to the Lord as, uh, you know, he would end up, Ted Wattis would end up coming to the Lord. But uh, anyways, that day, Josh. Um, so you pick up Tony. I go get Tony. And you go to Paul Wickham's house. And uh, we go to this storefront on San Fernando Road, right near uh, Jungle Chicken. You know, um, there's a little, right near Goodyear, I think it's called. It's Goodyear. It was abandoned back then. But there in the storefront, it was a storefront church. It wasn't even big. And in the front, it said, keep on trucking for Jesus. And it had that <laughs> old school cartoon stuff. And um, anyways, I, we... Me and Tony roll up on there, and we came. We knock on the door, and sure enough, man, Paul was there, and uh, Paul Whitcomb, he was there, and um, he opens the door. He says, "Can I help you guys?" <laughs> and um, I didn't know at the time that he was actually him and his wife were living at there the church. at the church yeah. storefront, and they were living there. The front of it was um, like a little area where they had, you know, like chairs and some bean bags. And then behind that curtain was where his um, he, uh, he had a pullout sofa where they would sleep at. And then he had a desk and then a, a bunch of books. Wow. And they would take missionary showers, you know. Yeah. And I guess Jeannie sometimes would go to her mom's. But anyways... When Paul um, answered the door, he said, can I help you guys? I go, man, I just gave my life to Jesus. <laughs> and my friend here, he needs Jesus. <laughs> Tony didn't know what he's getting. Nah, <laughs> man. And we come walking in there and all of a sudden, man, um, um, you know, I, I had heard about the Holy Spirit, but I was also afraid of it because I used to pop in in the mid 70s, maybe 75. That's part of the story that I left out was that. I would pop in over on uh, McClay and Bromont. The it was called the Solid Rock. Um, a lot of people may or may not be familiar with it, but at that time it was called the Solid Rock. Ma Bean was running that. They had guys like uh, Paul Whitcomb, uh, Dave. Um, boy, I can't remember his last name now. Uh, Dave, Riggs, Dave, Dave Riggs. Dave Riggs. Uh, Joe Wall. Joe Wells. Joe Bernal was it? Gurnell, uh, big, uh, I don't know, Big Al was there. Um, Al, I can't remember his name now. Magana, Al Magana, Frank Magana, not Al Magana. Frank Magana was there. 
a lot of these old timers. And, oh, and one thing I didn't tell you was also Robert Torres. Sharice's mm. um, dad. dad was there, and he was the last. Uh, I see him there too, and I remember walking in. And I, I'm like, "Hey, dude, what? You know?" Oh, because you knew him already. Yeah, I knew him because prior to seeing him there, the last time I seen him, I was scooping him up off the streets where he was wasted. <laughs> him and his girlfriend, and I threw him in my car and took him home. And then another time I seen him where he was, at, we're at a party, he's jamming, hard rocking and all that, and he's winking at my girl. Well, at least that's the way I interpret it. Maybe I had jealousy issues, I don't know. But Yeah, you did. <laughs> I did. That's how, That's how. you know, when you mentioned the scars. The scar on your arm busted the window out. Yeah, that's why, like, sometimes I, uh, when I'm talking to youth, I go, dude, if you don't deal with that jealousy, look, man, these are scars from jealousy, you know. But anyways... um, that day when we walked in, when we said to Paul that, hey, uh, he needs Jesus and I want to serve God. That's what I said to him. I want to serve God. He said, well, come on in. Boom. He started praying over us. And, uh, man, I, I'll tell you, Judge, um, you know, not we don't hear a whole lot about it now. But there was a as as he started praying for us. And because I was afraid of the Holy Spirit, because some of the stuff I seen, the reason I was mentioning the solid rock, because I was afraid, yeah. uh, because I used to some see that people. weird stuff, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I would see people get filled with the Spirit, and they fall on the floor and flop around like a fish out of water, you know? <laughs> and I kept thinking, like, man, I want the Holy Spirit, but I'm not going to go down, and I ain't going down. I'm not flopping like a fish. <laughs> <laughs> and... And the other thing I kept thinking was, man, what if, what if God makes me go pee in my pants, you know, <laughs> while I'm flopping around yeah, yeah, and yeah, I had yeah. it coming, right? Yeah, yeah. Because Rudy, you've been such a rebel and a devil that God's gonna humble you, man. Yeah. You need a little bit of humble pie. But anyways, um, that day when when uh, Paul began to pray for us, man, all of a sudden, Josh. Um, I, I think because sometimes that there's times of real divine move, movements of God where you just sense the presence of God that, you know, nobody can uh, talk you out of it because you know that you know that the Lord showed up big time and your walk away from that is the imprint, the impression, that mark that he, he, he did something. And that was one of those moments that uh, when we walked in there, Paul began to pray over us. And for the first time, man, I, I really cut loose in the sense of I, I didn't care. I, I lifted my hands up and boom, I, I really felt like I, the, the Lord filled me with the spirit. And all of a sudden, Paul began to uh, give a prophecy, speak over me. And it, and it a had prophetic word. Yeah, it was a prophetic word. And I was like, what the heck? Who told this guy? Yeah. Who told him what the heck's been going on in my life? And here he was. He was speaking prophetically. And I, I just knew that I knew that I knew that it was God, a God moment. And nothing could turn me away from that. It, it didn't matter what was going to come down. Wow. Wow. And, and that And that was like the moment like that, that was, was it that was the moment and and that was you know i a, a uh, the afterglow i guess 70 from 78 78 march of 1978 i still don't even know the day that it was um but i found out later from uh genie which is paul whitcomb's ex that they started that church in march of 78 so the lord brought me there right when they right as they were starting <laughs> Yeah, it's crazy, man. So, so this is. I just decided this is definitely going to be part two parts. So right. this is BC, and then coming to to Jesus, and then we're going to jump into the next, the next half of uh, of what happens next. Because this is where I come along. <laughs> yeah. Uh, After you get, you have this experience with Jesus, and and you get plugged in to the, to 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 the ways of of the Lord, and then you start a church in San Francisco. And um, so we're actually going to record that another day. Yeah, no, that's good because and then uh, we're going to talk about everything that 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 whole experience, and then what you're doing now, and just where we're at now um, in the year 2020 of our Lord. 
But I want to thank you again for coming on, man. I, you uh, having sharing that story reminded me of my own puddle experience, so to speak, of when I just I remember it. I was 19 years old, and uh, it was right here on McClay at 214 North McClay, and uh, having that experience of of exactly what you said of just literally just sobbing. And just losing control of just, and just letting letting it all out, and allowing God to touch you and heal you. And I remember that to this day. And um, it just you know it, it brought it back up when you were speaking about it. But one thing I do want to say, um, you know, this is part of part two and part of my story and, and and whatever. But you know, I remember when I was going through my own rebellious stage. I came home one one day. I was out all night. And it was like a Saturday into Sunday morning and you're getting ready for church and I'm walking in as you're getting ready to leave. And I don't know if you remember this, but I, I you didn't yell at me. You didn't put me down. You didn't, you didn't, uh, you know, belittle me or shame me. You're just like, you know, are you okay? And, and you're like, okay. And you just, you, you, you just welcomed me back home. Like without, uh, you know, it, as a parent now, I'm like, man, I probably would have been like, what the heck are you doing? Where you been all night? And what, you know, what's wrong with you and all this stuff. But, um, I just remember that, you know, that really just stuck with me. And that was before like my, I had my experience, but you were always a part of me finding Jesus and, and Jesus being real to me in my life was always through you. Um, so want to thank you for that. Love you for that. So we'll do part two. Yeah, yeah, sounds good because because uh, I gotta know, get going. Yeah, seven, yeah. Uh, like I was saying, Josh, <laughs> to make a long story longer. longer. <laughs> well, yeah, because you know, seventy eight was an awesome year, and then of course seventy nine. I met met your mom in church and uh, married her in seventy nine, and boom, nineteen eighty, we're gone, gone back, gone to San Francisco, and that's uh, yeah, that's where we will we'll leave it. Yeah. All right, Dad. All right. Love you, Josh. Love you. Um, we'll do part two soon. Maybe you could play the needle and the damage done over there. <laughs> oh, I love that song. Oh, that's yeah. good. The Heart of Gold. I love the idea that we're looking for a heart of gold. I was going to play Old Man. Yeah. But it was a little too slow. Take a look at your life. Yeah. All right, Dad. All right. Love you. Love you, dude. Bye-bye.